Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Do you know that God operates and lives by faith? Do you know that God has to exercise faith just like you have to exercise faith? God isn't asking of you anything that uh, uh, he wouldn't do himself. And so... Number one, if he says have faith in God, then guess what? That means you can have faith in God. God wouldn't ask you to do something you couldn't do. And then in that other translation, it says have the God kind of faith. That, that qualifies our faith, right? So that's not just any kind of faith, but it's the God kind of faith. There's a specific kind of faith that God is looking for, a believing. And it's interesting because this is Jesus's answer. It's Jesus's answer because they just got done seeing a fig tree that at his word, when he spoke the word, the fig tree withered and died. The next day it was barren. The next day it was fruitless. And so they just saw this miracle take place. And so now the disciples there in verse 21, actually, they said to him, look, the fig tree uh, which you have cursed has withered away. Verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says, uh, which he says they will be done. He will have whatever he says. Do you know you can have whatever you say? Let me put it this way. You will have whatever you say. See, God orchestrated the earth and put it into motion by his word. That's all he needed. That's all he needed. Even in scenarios where you feel like you don't have anything to did not, God didn't have anything to start with when he spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be light. You can start speaking some things out because you have been given the creative power and the creative ability in your words to speak things into existence. And many times we're speaking uh, into existence what we don't want because we're saying what we do have. We just speak what it is. Well, my marriage is never going to be restored. He's going to be like this all the time. These kids are never going to straighten up. My job's never going to know, you know, my worth and my value. I'm never going to mean anything to any. And what do we do? We're creating the world by our words. The same power and same ability that formed let there be light. We're saying let there be. My back is killing me. Not literally, I'm just using that as an example. We say things like this and then we wonder why our back never gets any better. Now on the flip side, I'm not saying that you just go around just mumbling words because see, to God, words are not just words. They go into a spirit realm and they begin to take shape and they begin to take form and they begin to do words work. If the, if the word that God spoke in the beginning, let there be light, worked, that's literally what he did. And then the Holy Spirit got to work. And then Jesus, the word, right? 
who became flesh and dwelt among us, he's working. Your words work. They're, they're, they're doing stuff. When those words are sent out, they're not just, go. oh, I didn't mean it. They're out there. You spoke it. And look, if you don't believe me, just spend a good week, a good solid week, saying the opposite of everything and see what it see what what happens just put it out there i mean i can I, I can use the same mouth to say man my back is killing me i can use the same mouth to say my back is is feeling my back is strong and whole my back and see it's not just you speaking random words it's you coming to into agreement with the word the word the word that says by his stripes you were healed the word he sent his word and healed them he sent his word and healed them there are power there is power in your words so he says speak to the mountain and it shall be cast into the sea but this is the thing i want to focus in on he says, but does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. I didn't write it. Jesus spoke it. It's right there in the word. You're reading it just like I'm reading it. He will have whatever he says. But look at this. But he believes that those things he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe. When am I supposed to believe? When I pray. Doesn't say when you see, believe. When you have, believe. When you actually take possession, believe. When it actually is made manifest in your life, believe. It says when you pray, you believe. Brother Hagin used to put it this way. Kenneth E. Hagin used to say, I ask once and I, or I ask once and then I praise and thank God the rest of the time. I don't need to keep asking for something if I believed I got it the first time I asked. Amen. I would only keep asking if I'm doubtful that I received what I prayed for. I pray for my healing. Lord, I thank you. I, 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 I thank you that your word over my body is performed and that my body conforms to the word of God. Y'all receive healing in the name of Jesus. And from then on, I just thank him and praise him that it's done. I may, but the check is in the mail. I may not see it, but, it, but if, if, if Pastor Chris, who doesn't even live far from me, but let's say for some reason he wanted to mail me something. He lives right around the corner, just walk it to my house. But if he wants to stick it in the mail and says, hey, I sent you that check. Now, I don't need to hear another word about it. And a day may go by and another day may go by. Well, I wonder if Pastor, no, he said he sent it. I'm not going to doubt his word. God is a man of his word. And see, God wants you to believe in his word just as much as you believe in your word. And vice versa. Many times we, we, we don't believe God at his word because we don't believe that our words have power. Uh, I heard a, a pastor say this, that God's word in my mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. <laughs> How's that for some perspective? 
God's word in my mouth, when I put his word in my mouth and I speak those things into existence, it's got the same power as if God himself spoke it. That's what the verse is telling us. He will have whatever he says. But there's this word believe. There's this word believe. Now look at Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Another verse, this one's probably on your refrigerator or you know, on a notebook or bumper sticker or something right next to Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. I love the word of God and I don't ever get tired of it. And I can look at the same verse and see something different every time because it's alive and it's active. It's not changing. It's always producing. And Proverbs chapter three, verse five says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. I believe that statement right there is, is an answer to a lot of times why we don't see, because we don't trust with all our heart. We trust with some of our heart. But we hold a little bit back to trust in something else or to, to, to not believe all the way. But, but God says, I want all your trust. I want all your faith. I want all your belief as if there's no other way. God, you come through or it's not happening at all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Watch this and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I love being a parent. I love parenting Camden and parenting has so many awesome things attached to it, but parenting also has a lot of annoying things attached to it. And one of those annoying things uh, goes on in my house a lot. Uh, and there's two words that get thrown around in my house way too much. There's two words, just if you were a fly on the wall or if the walls could talk, these words would be all over the place. There's two words. The first word is why. And the second word is because. Why? But why? 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 Because. Because I said so. Because if you don't, Da, da 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 because I don't, see, I, I grew up where you didn't need an explanation for action. You didn't have to answer. They, they didn't, my parents did not care if I knew why. They didn't care if I knew the whole motive. They didn't need to hand me an outline. They didn't need to give me a full description. They didn't need to, 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 Spell it out for me. I was uh, recently at a, a leadership event here in town and um, one of the managers of our Chick-fil-A's was speaking and he was talking about just Chick-fil-A culture and how you can incorporate that into your organization and some of the things that they find uh, uh, you know, valuable in, in raising up that culture. And he made the statement, it's just very eye-opening. He said, our greatest demographic of employees is millennials. And, and even beyond that now, 
I don't even know what they call them anymore. After, after millennials, I don't know. I haven't kept up. <laughs> and so uh, uh, he, um, he said that a question that they get a lot, that millennials, they want to know the, the purpose behind everything, which is a good attribute. Uh, you know, we teach our leadership and we teach in our church, know your why. Know why, the, the why is the most important thing. Before you know what, you need to know why. If you don't know why, you'll quit. If you don't know why, but, but, but there's also a damaging side to this. Because he'll say, uh, you know, that there are times when you're in the workplace and there's times when you're, in, uh, uh, when you're in here that we just need you to simply follow orders. And I don't have time to explain why it's done that way. I don't need to explain why we dress like that, why you wear that, why you come in at that time, why you stay till this time, why we fry it like that, why we do this or why we do it. I just need you to do it. And they are the why generation. They want to know why, but that you can't stand there with your arms folded just saying, if I don't know why, I'm not going to do it. That's not going to cut it. And in the kingdom, many times where we struggle is in the why. But what I find in the Bible that's interesting is that's the one answer that God doesn't answer very often. He doesn't answer why. Sometimes I think we're asking the wrong questions. See, I don't, know, I don't need to know why when I know who. And I don't need to know how. That's, a, that's, a, that's one that I get, you know, a lot of people get stumped on. And let's just be open and honest about it. We, we want the answer to the how. We want to know how? It's not good enough just to know what God wants to do. And it's not just good enough to know why God wants to do it. But I need to know, I demand a how. How's it going to work, God? How's it going to work, pastor? How's it going to work, preacher? How are you telling me that if I do this, I'm going to get this? How are you telling me that if I forgive, if I step out and, and I forgive that person that really uh, they need to forgive me, that it's going to mend the relationship or, it, 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 you know, how, 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 how? We get hung up on these questions and then we want some deep theological answer. But Proverbs chapter three tells me right here to lean not on my own understanding. Do you realize that if you ever even figured out how it would be your own understanding? It's still, even in your greatest understanding, it's still your understanding. It doesn't matter how great you can figure it out. It doesn't matter how high you could go. It doesn't matter how deep you can get. It's still yours. Because what you don't need is understanding. What you need is revelation. Revelation trumps understanding every time. See, God didn't design you to live by information. Adam and Eve weren't wandering around asking why and asking how, and trying to define everything, and, and, and trying to get answers to all these different things. You know, you know people want to ask the question, well, why didn't they get healed? Well, let me ask you, if you knew the answer, would it change your position on what the word of God says? Or is the word of God still greater than your ability to comprehend why someone doesn't get healed? 
Like, I, I'm just saying, we're probably chasing circles. We're probably just chasing our, t- I know this isn't popular. And maybe we, maybe we whipped it out too soon. Maybe I should have saved it for February or <laughs> April or something. It's still January. <laughs> should have saved it. But look, he says, lean not on your own understanding. The beginning of believing is the end of understanding. He doesn't tell me that I need to comprehend and understand. Now, there are some, there's, there's a comprehension. Yes, he says that you can comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the width, the length, the height of the love of God. You know, that, that, that. But then, you know, there's other times where he says far surpassing knowledge. He wants to give you a peace that passes what? All understanding. So you got to be able to identify what is it that God is trying to get you to understand. Lean not on your own understanding. That tells me that if there's my own understanding, then there must be a different kind of understanding. There must be a different kind of knowing, a different kind of settling, another way. And it's called, to God, it's called believing. Believing. And see, we thought that he wants us to understand it, but God wants us to believe it. And when you try to remove the component of faith from believing, then it's no longer believing. When you remove, it's not faith if you know all the answers. When I grew up, the math book had the answers to all the odd questions. Oh, man. I want, I want, and then your math teacher assigns all the even answers, all the even, are you, oh, oh, I want the odd ones. They're in the back of the book. Many times we walk through life, we don't, we don't want to use the book. We want to use our own understanding. I mean, you look through the word and look at how God moved on people's lives and they didn't ask the questions we asked today. They, they didn't ask these questions. They just went. Was there a little bit of fear on the inside? Sure. Were they, were, were they I mean, you have all kinds of emotions in the Bible being displayed. Distress. I mean, you even got Elijah at the point of suicide and, and, and depression and just wanting to give up. You've got, but you know what they did? They obeyed. And God didn't explain the stuff that we think he needs to explain so that we can just take the first step in him. You look at what these great men of old did and you can even, even hear of people that are in the Bible, that, that forefathers that went before us and the steps that they took and the, the ministries that they had built on faith, not built on knowing why and not built on knowing how, but built on knowing who. Because look what he says here in this next Verse, verse six, in all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. Him is a person. Him is not what? In all your ways, acknowledge him and the him will direct your paths. That tells me 
that I'm not really good at directing my path. I need him to direct my path. But you know what most people want? They just want the path minus him. It doesn't say in all your ways, acknowledge the path. It says in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Maybe this is more about knowing who God is than what he does. I heard someone say just this past weekend that, that most of us just want God on the level of what he can do for us. But God, what God can do for you is to point you to who he is, not just what he does. Give you a, a, an example in the word. When Jesus was confronted by four guys that lowered their lame friend down through the roof. They tore the roof open while he was preaching, dropped them right in front. And, and, and he told the Pharisees, because he knew what they were thinking, which, which do you think is harder? Which is more difficult, to heal this man of his, uh, uh, of his lameness or to forgive him of his sins? So that you know, I'm going to do both. I can do both. The healing of his body was to point to who Jesus was, not just what. See, the people that missed out on Jesus and missed out on the, the real essence of his ministry only went after him for what he could do, not for who he was. You don't wait in an upper room for what someone can do for you. You wait in an upper room and you welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit because you know who he is and because from who he is, he will do what he can do and he will do what only he can do. And so our faith is limited to God performing. It's just a, a, a puppet show. It's just him performing things for us, paying off the, the debt that I accumulated and, 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 and healing my body when I get a, a report of sickness and mending my marriage when, uh, you know, all hell breaks loose and, and I'm always needing God to step in. And so God becomes this, this need meter and he's saying, I can do those things, but I can do those things for people who know me. Not just what I can do for them, Believing and having faith in God is not about being able to dictate your world and dictate the situations in your life. And, and, and as soon as you get into a trial or affliction, I'm just gonna have faith and God's gonna come break me out. God's gonna break open the prison doors. And, and, and you, you praise and you worship God in the midnight hour like Paul and Silas, not because you are expecting God to do that, but because you know that's who he is and that's what he deserves. He deserves praise. He deserves glory. He deserves worship. He deserves to be lifted on high. And whether I'm in the bottom of the pit or I'm on the mountaintop, I'm going to praise him and I'm going to glorify his name. Not to get him to perform for me, not to get him to break open these prison doors and let me out. And that's why rather than running, I can stick around and make sure that that jailer knows who he is too. What is believing God really all about? Are we limiting 
what God can do because we're limiting to him to only doing and performing stuff? Like who's God? Who's really in control? If I snap my fingers and God moves because, no, no, no. The, the word tells me the rights and the privileges and the benefits that I have being a child of God, but it starts with the relationship. It starts with who he is to me and who I am to him and whose I am. And it begins with a person of God. It begins with the spirit of God, not, not just the works and the actions of God. It says trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The ones that have to have it all figured out are the ones that are just trying to get a performance. Because this is the thing I've learned. When I'm in a relationship with someone, I don't have to know all the ins and outs. That comes as a result of being in a relationship with them. If you're just in a relationship with someone for what they can get you and what they can give to you, that's a very broken relationship. They usually don't pan out. They usually don't last because that's not what endures a relationship is performance. What endures a relationship is I know who you are. Not just what you can do. Not just how you're gonna act. Not just how you're gonna perform. I mean, Jesus, you know, the, the word of God God spent a lot of effort in this book to keep us from getting tied to the what and the how and the why. There's a, there's a lot of work that goes into us understanding who he is. It's what he told Moses. Well, what do I tell him? Who do I tell him sent me? You tell him I am sent you. That's a who. Who? God is interested in us knowing who he is over what he does or how he's going to do it or why it happens that way. I want to strengthen my faith. I don't know about you, but I want my faith to grow. I want my faith to develop. I want to have the faith where I can speak and the mountain is cast into the sea. But it's not because I know what, and it's not because I know how, and I can put all these little elements and I can create my formulas to get God to produce what I want him to do in my life. It's because I know who. The greatest thing Jesus worked on in his ministry the greatest effort that we see he put to anything in his ministry was his relationship with his father. I heard a minister say one time that we pray, we spend a little bit of time with the father and spend a lot of time with our problems. But Jesus spent a lot of time with the Father and spent very little time with problems. It says that he would be up all night in prayer. It says that he'd be on the side of the mountain. He would rise early. 
He'd stay up late. He'd tell his disciples, you guys go on over here. I'm going to go to the mountain and pray. What's he doing? Cultivating a relationship. Don't you know that when you cultivate that relationship and you develop the who in your relationship, that when you come off of that mountain, there's no devil in hell that can stop you. There's no sickness and disease you can't cast out. There's no authority you can't operate with. There, there, there's no message or, or wisdom that you can't preach. There, there, there's, there's no limit to the capacity of what you can do when you have extolled and expended that much energy and that much investment simply in your relationship with your father, simply in knowing who. I mean, he didn't even pray over sick people. He spoke directly to the sickness and cast it out. He didn't spend a lot of energy casting out demons. In fact, most of the time they came to him and said, we know who you are, please. They came begging him. There's one instance where uh, there was a man that had a demon in a synagogue. Jesus was ministering in a synagogue and a man with the demon began to cry out. The thing about going to synagogues is you don't just randomly wake up one day and say, I'm going to go to the synagogue today. That means this man came to this synagogue, came to church every weekend and that demon never had any reason to be to to do what he did. But now Jesus shows up. See, when authority shows up and when someone who knows their, their place in the kingdom and when someone knows who their father is and knows their relationship with their father, it will cause demons to tremble. They will take the proactive measure of stepping up and stepping out because it's not about what I can do. It's about who my God is. It's about who he is. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart. In the New Living, it says this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. The greatest way to know the will of someone is to know the who of someone. The will is the byproduct of the who. I know what my wife's will is. I know that she will not drink Dasani water if I bring it to her. Why? Because I know her and she's communicated her will to me. She's commu- I know her desires. I know her ins and outs. I know what makes her happy. I know what makes her sad. I know what makes her mad. I know what I, I know. Out of relationship, not out of getting her to perform or do anything, not, not out of what do you, what, what, what's in it for me, what do I get out of it, but because of a relationship. When you know the who of someone, the will is a byproduct. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It goes on to say there, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. The problem is, is we're more engaged in the path than the person. I mean, I get those questions all the time. 
you know, those questions that the Bible doesn't cover specifically. Like what college should I go to? Right? What doctor should I go see? You know, the, the, the ones that you can't go to the Bible and, and say, well, should I move to Denver or should I stay in Valdosta? Should I take this job opening? Maybe that's not really what God's interested in. Maybe he's interested in what kind of employee you're gonna be in Denver or Valdosta. Maybe that's more important. Are you still gonna put God first? Are you gonna be a good steward over the finances that he's blessed you with? Or is the more money gonna go to your head and keep you from being able to be in church and keep you from being able to give to the kingdom of God? Is it gonna cause you to accumulate your own personal gain? You know, who should I marry? Maybe God's more interested in what kind of husband or wife you're gonna be when you get married. What, what does the word cover? What, what can I learn from cultivating a relationship with the Father? In 2019, in what ways can I strengthen my relationship with my God? In what ways can I, instead of seeking a path or seeking a will or seeking an agenda, I can seek a person. I can seek him with all my heart. Trust in the Lord with all my... It's difficult to trust in what you're not close to. It's difficult to trust in what you're not close to. What does, what does trust in God really look like? So if he performs this time, he answers that prayer this time, it comes to pass, then you'll trust? I mean, what does that really look like for the life of a believer? He's obviously not telling us not to trust. He's not telling us to not have faith. He says, have faith in God. Those are the words. That's what Jesus said. But do we want, have, do we want to have faith in an element of God? Or do we want to have faith in God himself? Do we want to have faith in God doing it our way? Many times, our way is what gets in the way. I'm reminded back to the message that we preached on Naaman. And Naaman went there and he was prepared to get his miracle his way. He's got the riches, he's got the power, he's got the clothing, he, he's got the, the money, he's got the following. And I know that if I show up to the prophet's house with all this stuff, that he's going to give me my miracle. I can buy the miracle. And God knows how to disrupt our ideas of how he's going to work in our life. He can do it. If we, re, if we resort God to a, perfor, to, to a performance, to, to a, a certain way of doing something, to a certain way, then we're not really close to him. We're, we're not really running after God. We're running after his stuff. We're not really wanting a relationship with him. I mean, do we, do we read the word? And why do we read the word? Do we read the word to, to cultivate a relationship and, and to, to because we're hungry? I was talking to someone uh, just a couple weeks ago about the, the mechanism of hunger and how sometimes 
The reason why we don't receive from God is because we're not hungry for God. I can tell you right now, you can put a a five-star meal in front of me, but if I have packed in donuts and milkshakes to the point of wanting to vomit, that five-star meal is not going to be very appetizing. In fact, I don't want anything to do with it. It doesn't matter how good the word is we put in front of people if they're stuffed up, filled up on things that have over appetize them, then, then they're not going to want the things of God. You know, we hear a word in our, in, in our country a lot called revival. We need revival. We want revival. But what does, what does that look like? Would we recognize it if it came? And are we hungry enough for it? Hunger has a desperation to it. Hunger has, has, has a, a I will do whatever it takes to get attitude. Are we hungry? So this, this element of faith and this element of trust, you know, this, this idea of trusting in the Lord with all your heart, sometimes I don't think we get to the position where we are giving him all of our heart. And then we wonder, see, he's, asking for all that we have. And he already gave all that he had. He's not withholding anything. He's not keeping anything back from us. So the question is, what are we keeping back from him? What's limiting our faith? What's limiting the production of receiving? What is limiting this this idea that what God has for me is, is, is being held back? Or is it because I'm not pursuing it, I'm not going after it? And then we, we come up with our understanding and our ways, man's ways to explain away what God wanted to do the whole time. I mean, I've heard people explain away healing. I've listened to it. I'm going to tell you right now, when you're desperate enough for a healing in your body and you're desperate enough to, to, see, to see sickness go out of you or out of someone else, you're going to do whatever it takes. You're going to do whatever the word says and not buy in to the lies that the world wants to give us of why healing's been done away with or God doesn't heal anymore or that was, you know, the old, that was, you know, the olden days or that was for the disciples or, you know, whatever explanation you want to try to come up with. How about cultivating a relationship with the Father Hallelujah. and finding out that he is a healer and believing God, trusting that the healer will perform in your body? Well, what if this happens? Well, Mark 11 covers that and does not doubt in his heart. Have faith in God. The strength of our faith in God is limited to the strength of our relationship with God. The strength of our faith in God You know, the people, it just goes hand in hand. The people that I know that have had the greatest faith, the strongest, the ones that I would say are strong faith giants that I've seen personally in my life and in the word also had strong relationships with God. 
It wasn't casual to them. I've seen casual Christians that treat this as common, explain away healing, and explain away faith in God. No, no, no. You don't get to expound on the faith in God. You don't get to expound on what God is capable of doing and how he can perform and how he's still moving today. Let me talk to someone that has a strong, uh, fervent, fiery relationship with God that it's not just common. They live and breathe off of this thing. This is the meat to their bones. This is life to their body. It is life unto their flesh. It is health to their body. It's not just something that's just a supplement. It's what they live off of. You ever seen somebody try to live off a supplement? No. Supplement means you, it, it's added to what you're already doing. No, we need to have a desire. We need to have a fervent relationship with the Lord. I know it's, it's lacking today. I, I know to, to, to even think of someone that stayed up all night praying. But Kenneth Hagin did that. Oral Roberts would do that. It sure would. Doesn't make them perfect people. Doesn't make them any better than you and I, but there was a value that they had. I want to know my God. And it wasn't because I've got this great and dynamic ministry because they were doing that stuff before they ever got to the status where everybody knew their name. Sure were. Kenneth E. Hagin was doing that stuff when he was pastoring a church smaller than this one for 12 years in, in some little podunk town in Texas. Maybe 25, 30 people on a weekend staying up all night, searching the scripture, praying the Ephesians prayers every single day. And I was just listening to his son give a testimony, you know, about how he was raised up off the bed of affliction at 16 years of age. And he didn't have a heal. There was no healing crusade came to town. There was no Google there was nobody that could give him the, the, you know, somebody print out all the healing scriptures for me. He did it. <laughs> he wrote the book that's got all the healing scriptures in it for us. So we didn't have to do all the work that he did. He came off that bed with Mark 11, 22 and 23 and 24. And just talking to God. And with this simple statement, you hear his testimony. God, you're either who you say you are in here or you're a liar. Your word says that I can have whatever I say. Did it happen immediately? No. Should have died, did die, but came up off of that thing and didn't look back and he pursued God with all his heart. All his heart. And guys, the crazy thing about it is none of us. You know what? It doesn't take skill to strengthen your relationship with God. It doesn't take Bible school. Anybody can do it. Everybody can do it. We can all strengthen. Do I want to strengthen my faith? Yes, but I want to strengthen my faith as a byproduct, as a result of strengthening my relationship. Man, I hope this encourages you tonight. 
I hope that this, this, this helps us recognize that we can all go deeper. We can all go further. And I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I don't ever want to get to a point in my life where my understanding that God has to, has to bow to my needs and my demands and, and my explanations and why I need to know why before I step out. I, I want to, to have a relationship with the Father. I want to have a relationship with this God, not somebody else's God, not my grandma's God, not Kenneth Hagin's God, not 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 anchor faith churches, God. I want to have a relationship with God. The word of God made flesh dwelt among us. And as a result, I'll see him work in my life. What's the goal? What do we go on? Which one's the goal? Which one's the byproduct? That's the question. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.